You're listening to the Volleyball by Design podcast. Today, we got a special guest on the pod, Coach Wayne Wilkins, who is a national level coach, national championship coach, actually, national coach of the year, and many other accolades. This gentleman has been coaching the game for 27 plus years, and he's been coaching at one of the most successful volleyball programs in Canada. And we have him here. And he's going to share with you how he created this championship program, this championship culture, this volleyball successful program that he's been running for the last 27 years. And we're going to dive all into it. There's a ton of things that you can take away from today's episode. So you're going to want to, you know, write some things down, take a, get a pen and paper out if you're driving, don't worry about it. But I'm super excited to have Coach Wayne on the pod and it's an episode you definitely don't want to miss. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Coach Brian Singh, and after a number of years coaching competitive volleyball and as the head coach of the biggest college in Canada, I've become obsessed with helping coaches improve their knowledge and skills of the game by teaching them how to coach efficiently and effectively to ultimately reach their volleyball goals. I created the Volleyball by Design podcast to give you simple, actionable, step-by-step strategies so you can get clarity and apply what you learn right away. This is... The Volleyball by Design Podcast. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to episode 112 of the Volleyball by Design Podcast. How is everyone doing out there today? Another week of volleyball. Hope your summer's going well. Um, For my new listeners, welcome to the show. My name is Coach Brian Singh, and I'm the host of the podcast. And for my regular listeners, as always, you guys know how much I appreciate you. Thanks so much for tuning in to another fantastic episode. And we do have another great one for you today. As I always talk about on the podcast, the goal of each episode is to try to give you some kind of tangible, something you can take back to your gym and apply right away. And I'm very lucky to have an experienced top level coach in Canada here today on the podcast. And we're going to dive in and talk about so many different areas of the game when it comes to programming and your team. And it is, there's going to be, my advice to you is if, if you're driving, don't do this, but if you're not driving, get out a pen, a paper, your, get a second phone out or whatever you got, take some notes because this is going to be an episode where you're going to want to take notes. I guarantee it. Uh, so without further ado, I, I'm really fortunate enough to have this particular coach on this coach is a national champion coach six-time provincial championship coach two times national coach of the year and has been coaching this game for pretty much as long as i've been alive i mean well i'm not dating myself here but he's been coaching at this uh this at humber college for the last 27 years um he's one of the most decorated coaches in canada to be quite honest and we're fortunate enough to have him here on the podcast and that is head coach wayne wilkins what's up man thanks so much for coming on Hey Brian, it's my pleasure, buddy. All right, so uh, let's just let's just dive in. Let, you know, actually, sure. Scratch that. Before we dive in a little bit, um, you know, let's t- let's get our listeners to get a chance to know you a little bit. You want to talk about your coaching background, or or just you know, how, how'd you how'd you get like, where'd you come from? How'd you get into this? And all of a sudden, you're tw- you know, 27 season, been coaching this game for such a long time. Like, where'd this all come from? Yeah, you know what? It's interesting. You know, I think uh, a lot of uh, what you do and what I do. Um, I, I think it doesn't come by design. I think sometimes you fall into it a little bit and, you know, certain things in your life kind of take a left turn instead of a right turn. And all of a sudden you make the best of it and what happens. And, you know, in high school, I, uh, you know, I tried out for a couple of different teams and didn't make them. Um, but I was a pretty good athlete. And, you know, my, uh, I remember my gym teacher saying, listen, we want you to try out for, uh, for volleyball. And so I think that's kind of where the love for volleyball started. And I was recruited to, uh, to go play at Humber college for, uh, 
for my uh, post-secondary schooling. And so I went there and had a pretty decent career, but you know, I was uh, an average player at best, but I think um, like, like a lot of, a lot of coaches that I know, um, they, they really found the, the, the passion for the game and the X's and O's and, and, you know, the technical part of it and, and sort of, you know, the parts that maybe we weren't <laughs> so, so super skilled at, uh, at doing one to figure out how, how it happens. And, uh, so I came on as an assistant coach after my career at Humber and, um, a couple of years into that, uh, head coach was let go. And I, I, I remember interviewing with our athletic director, Doug Fox at the time. And I, 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 I must've been number 10 on the list. And, uh, but all I, all I did is I think really the part that Doug really enjoyed was that I never really talked volleyball. I really just talked about the, the experience and the athlete experience and, and wanting to uh, help these young men uh, with the transition. You know, they come in as a young high school kid and, you know, we expect them to, to leave this full grown tax paying citizen and, uh, and play some volleyball in between. So I think he enjoyed that and, uh, and he hired me on and, and the rest is history. Wow. Yeah, no, I know. We're, we're very similar in that nature where it's we, we kind of focus on the experience first, all about the experience Absolutely. of the athlete. So I love that. Well, let's let's dive in. So uh, my listeners, I mean, depending on when you're listening to this, if you're listening to this, you know, August uh, before August 6th and 7th listeners, you know, there's a coaching workshop coming up a two day coaches workshop where we're going to dive into how to create a successful volleyball program. So we have the perfect guy on here uh, to, to start talking about that. So Wayne, let's talk about you know, building a successful volleyball program. And let's start at the beginning, the absolute beginning. What goes on in your process um, before the season begins? So we're talking maybe summer. What What are you doing? What are you thinking about? How are you planning? Like, what goes into that? Yeah, I mean, you know, it, how, how many times we watch TV and, and, and watch these professional sports and, and you hear stories about, hey, they just, they just lost the Super Bowl. And then three days later, you hear Bill Belichick's in the film room already gearing up for the next season. Yeah. That's sort of my mantra as well. I, I kind of do the same thing. You know, we, we were fortunate enough to, uh, to have a season last year. We end up going to uh, the CCAA semifinal. Uh, we lost to a, a very good Limaloo team. Um, and literally the, the week later we get back and take a couple of days off and, and we're in the film room and we're looking at, you know, what, what we did right, and what we did wrong to, to start to, uh, to build the process um, for this upcoming season. So, you know, to, I guess for me and my coaching staff and I, you know, I, I, if there's any, and I know it's hard, I know it's hard to, as, as college coaches and club coaches, especially you got to have good help. Like, it, like it's, it, that's really the basis. That's, you know, if you don't have good assistant coaches, if you don't have good analysts, if you don't have good, you know, st statisticians and, and people that can help you, um, it just puts all of that burden on your shoulders, which is really tough to do. So, um, go get yourself some volunteers and, and, you know, that that's a good place to start. Um, yeah. So we just sit down and we kind of just go through the pros and cons. We review everything that happened in the previous season. What was good, what was bad, what we liked, what we didn't like. Um, we start to try and build out what we believe the roster is going to look like um, going into the next season. Uh, because, you know, for us, my recruiting process is, is an annual one. Like we're doing it all the time. It's never, it's never just, you know, September to December or no, like, you know, even, even now, although I, I believe we've got a, a full roster, um, I still get emails daily from prospective athletes for this season or next. So, um, yeah, so we go through the recruiting list and, and then we start to, um, you know, figure out, 
you know, what the league's going to look like. Do we think there's major changes? Are there rule changes? Are there things that we can take advantage of? You know, I'll use the double libero as a great example. We never had taken advantage of that before. Um, it just didn't seem something that, you know, we thought we could use. So, but going into this season, maybe it is now, you know, so we'll see because we do have two very good liberos that were on the team. So, so things like that. Um, and then, you know, I think once we have that all sort of mapped out, we start to bring in the kids and start doing their one-on-one end of year interviews. And I think by doing that, it really sheds some light on, you know, what, you know, the differences between what we thought was really good and what they thought was really good. Cause you'll find that's not always the same, you know? Yep, and I hear it. Yeah. You know, we sit here and, you know, I, you know, and, and, and make no mistake. I, I'm definitely speaking from a, a position of privilege. We've got a, a great facility at Humber college and great support staff, you know, our athletic directors and they, 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 you know, they put money into the program. They, you know, whatever we need to, to, you know, do our best and try to win a national championship, they are willing to, to help us with. So because we have a great team, you know, we want to talk to these kids about, you know, what was really good, you know, was, you know, did you like the fact that we had good therapists or, you know, was, did we practice too much? Did we not practice enough? You know, what was the pace of practice? Did you learn or not? So, you know, we kind of map all that down because what happens we find is, you know, at coaches sometimes, and it's been getting better, I think, you know, in my, with my experience, I think it's been getting better that we're a little bit closer aligned to what the, the you know, the athletes are um, seeing as what, what's important and not. But every once in a while, you know, you think, hey, you know, running this, running this faster offense was really good. But then you talk to a couple athletes and they say, hey, you know what? I don't know if it was really good because of X, Y, and Z, whatever, whatever the answer is. So you got to look at it. You got to figure it out. And uh, so I think by doing that, it, it just, just helps us get better. So never, never really kind of just uh, dismissing and, and assuming that you had a great year just because you got to a semifinal. Yeah, no, I love it. Okay. So um, I love, you know what? It's so funny. I, I, I love the fact that you were looking at film the, like the next week. Because that's exactly what I did when you yeah. guys beat us in the playoffs. I went, I got away, got out of here. I was like, I'm not, I'm done. And then I came back and then we looked at it and we're like, all yeah. right, this is, uh, this is, this is and, what happened. And, and you know what, listen, I, I, I gotta be honest. I'll, I'll say it too. I mean, your listeners need to know this. Um, and I, I remember listening to one of your episodes and you talked about the fact that, you know, too, far too often, both athletes and coaches, they, they come from a, a position of ego and they allow it to get in the, in the way. And, and I'll tell you, I've never had any sort of, um, uh, of that experience with Brian and, and, you know, kind of speaking to the people on the podcast, but just to let you know that, you know, we, Brian and I played in a playoff match and literally days later, you know, we exchanged emails saying, Hey man, you know, let's, let's exchange notes. You know, what did, what did you do? And, you know, and what did you think you were going to be able to do and vice versa game plan and kind of share it just so we can learn as coaches. And I really appreciated that. I, I, I mean, no, no problem, I man. appreciated it to, to help prepare, prepare us to move forward. But I think from a development standpoint, man, it takes, it takes, you know, a, a really mature coach to sit back and say, Hey, you know what? I got beat, but I, I, I want to know how I got beat or why I got beaten and what it was. And, and I think when we, we as coaches, if we're able to put our egos aside and, and kind of work together, and, and I'll put it, I'll go one step further. I honestly believe that there's divisions in this league, you know, across the CCAA where the coaches do do that. 
And I think that's maybe makes them a little bit better than us. I, I know in Ontario, those conversations don't always happen. And I think they need to happen more often. Yeah, I know. Man. I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm a learner of the game. You know, I love it. I love getting a chance to hear what other coaches are doing and things like that. Um, yeah. So I like the fact, yeah, you, t- you go, so you go through your pros and cons. Uh, you start to build out your roster. Uh, what I like the fact of what will the league look like? So you're thinking about not just your roster, but the league itself and, you know, where you could ex- potentially exploit certain things. Um, and I like that you have your one-on-one interviews after you go through this with your coaching staff. That's fantastic. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So now that we've done all this, we have your one-on-one interviews with your, your players. Um, now the season's, I guess, done in that sense. What are you doing next? Uh, what is your thought process coming into, you know, the, are you guys training in the off season? Are you planning for your upcoming season? Like how, what, what's going through your mind right now? How are you planning? Yeah, actually, you know, actually that part is um, pretty easy. You know, we sit down and, you know, the, the, the good thing about having a winning program is everybody, um, you know, wants to get better. You know, so all the kids are coming in and they're, they're talking to us about, hey, can we keep practicing? Can we work here? Can we can we get in the gym? Can we do all those things? So, you know, uh, that that part of the equation is already kind of take care of t- is taking care of itself. I think really the next piece is, you know, we'll sit down and, and Hank has done a, a fantastic job for me. Hank and I have been coaching together for over 25 years, which, again, it's a luxury. You know, not everybody gets to have that relationship. You know, Hank's been a, a best friend of mine for for well over two decades and, and we get to coach together, which is fantastic. So I know that I can trust him. He trusts me. And, you know, I sit down and say, okay, let's build out the plan. Right. So let's map out the next four months, what it looks like, what's our training schedule, what are, you know, what's uh, our high performance? Uh, what about therapy? I, you know, I, it's, it's, it's often funny because I think sometimes the coaches or the, or at least guys on the team think I probably have more spreadsheets than Microsoft um, it, because, you know, I got spreadsheets on, you know, players in the league, you know, what year are they in? What, you know, are, you know, how many teams have five-year guys? How many teams got have all rookies? You know, all those kind of things. But also from my own team. So, you know, what positions do we need? You know, are we, need, you know, we need another setter. Do we need another libero? Do we need another outside hitter? And so when we're mapping out the schedule, I can now get a little bit more granular and say, okay, <clears throat> you know, we're going to practice twice a week, a couple hours a week, but maybe – for each of those practices for a half an hour at the beginning or a half an hour at the end, we'll only have those specific players stay so that we can specific as an example. So, you know, Jake, our fifth year setter, well, we now have a first year setter coming in. Who's going to learn behind Jake, which is awesome. So it's a, it's a great overlap to have. Well, he needs to be brought up to speed. So we're going to have him come in for a little extra time so that he can kind of learn. You know, learn from the master per se. Per se. Is this and, sorry? Um, is this off season or is this in season right now? We're talking. We'll, we'll do it. We're doing off season. Yeah, yeah. So your four yeah, month we'll plan is a four month off season plan. Correct. We okay. start in. Um, so we'll we'll start in May. So usually the guys take about I'm going to say four to six weeks off right after the season, and then they start to trickle in. And, and during that four to six weeks off, that's off of volleyball. So they'll be. They'll still be going to, you know, HPC or they'll go to therapy and do that kind of stuff, working out, running, but they're, they're not playing volleyball, at least not at Humber. I mean, there's tournaments all the time and these guys are playing outside right, of here, but right. we, we try to limit, we do, you know, we, we try to show them the, you know, the huge advantage of taking some time off and healing. Right. So, um, but then, yeah, then, then we sit down and we say, okay, for our next four months, what are we going to do? One day a week, two days a week, 
you know, how does that work? And then we traditionally try to run two training camps. So uh, we'll run a training camp in July and we'll run a training camp in August where we try to bring as many guys in together as possible. So they can sort of start to see the assemblance of what it's going to look like. Um, but, you know, we, we also have kids come in that maybe are 17 you or 16 you so that they can see what it's like at the next level. Right. And, and so, you know, often these kids will come in and we'll do a little report for them at the end of it saying, Hey, so here's what we saw. Here's what we think you need to work on, et cetera, et cetera. And they can take it back to their club team and they can, you know, grow from there. Um, but yeah, so again, we do the couple training camps and then that way, you know, one, one of the advantages I think we have is, you know, we, we really get out of the gates early. And I think it's because of this four months. I, I really think it's because, we, you know, the guys know who's on the left of them and who's on the right of them. And come September when tryouts happen, uh, we have our two, three-day tryout. And then that weekend, we're off to team building. Okay. I love it. So a lot of things here to, to uh, unpack. So four month plan, uh, fantastic. Uh, one to two uh, times a week. So does it start with once a week and then transition to two times a week or how does that work? Yeah, I know, we, you know, we kick it off to two times a week, uh, about 90 minutes, uh, uh each time and it, it's sporadic, right? So, cause there's a lot of things that are going on. Our gym's really packed with, uh, with different events, Canada basketball, and they do judo and they, a bunch of different things. So we try to get time in when we can. So right. as an example for uh, like this week, we have no practice, right? Because gym floors are being redone or something, right. you know, there's right. always something. So it's not always a hundred percent, but that's sort of the goal. The goal is to get in there twice a week, 90 minutes. Uh, because one of the other thing too, one of the other things that we, we really like to do is, you know, that 90 minutes is us as coaches of what we want to accomplish. Uh, but then we give them that half hour for them to do what they want to do. So they get that half hour to just be kids, you know, just play volleyball, play, you know, they want to play King's court. If they want to, whatever they, they want to serve for a half hour, Wh whatever they want to do, they get that half hour and away they go. So it's two hours, but 30 minutes for them and then 90 minutes yeah. for you guys. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. 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 So, and, and especially in the summer, because, you know, we got kids that some of them are traveling, some of them aren't, uh, you know, aren't local. So it's a little bit of a, a uh, you know, some kids can't make it just because of distance. Right. So, yeah, but 100%. so far this summer, it's been great. I mean, we've been averaging between uh, eight and 11 kids uh, every practice. So it's been pretty good. No, that's fantastic. So in terms of, uh, this is the last thing I'll talk about the off season. Uh, let's sure. talk a little bit of technique here. Tech is there any, any, um, like what, what are the technical elements of your off season that you're focusing on? Is it based on position? Are you trying to emphasize certain things in the off season more than in the in season? What are, are, what are you teaching? Like things like that. Yeah, no, that's a great question. So <clears throat> for us, when, when I start talking uh, technical uh, and, and we're not, I won't, I won't talk about positional technique uh, techniques, but we're, we're just saying, um, you know, whatever, you know, I'm going to teach a guy how to, you know, a rookie, how to pass or, or a new setter, you know, what we're looking for from us. Yeah. That kind of, that kind of, for me, it permeates in every practice. We're always kind of trying to do that. Right. But the off season stuff, what we're trying to do now is we're starting to really laying the seeds of what the next year is going to look like. So I'll give you an example. So this past season, you know, we uh, were lucky enough to have Josh Ferrari, um, you know, be on the team, uh, uh, all Canadian, you know, national player of the year. So we had a very strong right side presence. So that was awesome. However, that also poses 
a potential risk, right? When other teams start, because, you know, <laughs> it doesn't matter whatever you do this year. It just means every other coach is watching film to prepare for next year. Right. So we have to adapt. And so that's what we've done. We sat down, we reviewed our team. We looked at, I mean, we lost. So we were able to watch a, a match in which uh, another team beat us and what they did to beat us. And so we've designed what we're going to do going through the new season. So that is really the technical part of what we're doing in practice is starting to plant the seeds of, Hey, maybe we want to, you know, run this area a bit more. Maybe we want to start to change our passing a little bit more. Maybe we want to, you know, we noticed that at nationals, there wasn't as many spin servers, you know, or like whatever the, the details come out of it is, but that preparation starts during that off season. So for me, because we have such a heavy exhibition schedule in September and October, for us, it's, I want to jump in and start putting it into action you know i don't want to spend two months before our, our season starts to you know start to learn the basics again right? that's that's really not it and i think we're we're again I'm, I'm again blessed to have assistant coaches that can spend time on the basic stuff through practice so while we're going through practice they can pull a kid out talk to them about platform talk to them about you know balance talk to them about different things and, and get back into the drill so um but that just, yeah, we're really just looking during that four months to say, hey, here's what we're going to change going into next season, if there is things to change. And now we're going to prepare it so that we're saying, and, and, you know, you've coached a long time. We're not yelling sentences at these kids, right? We're, we're yeah. talking keywords and, you know, we're talking, you know, a little blip here and a little blip there. Well, there may be new words that we want to get them used to that comes out in this four months. Okay. Got it. No, fantastic. That makes a lot of sense. Okay, let's transition now into uh, in-season. So really detailed off-season explanation. There's a ton of takeaway coaches for you guys to listen about that off-season. That's a well-thought-out, planned, executed off-season. I love it. Um, you, let me, you, you talked about the next point I want to talk about, which is training camp. So uh, I may have to backtrack here because it seems like you don't have one training camp. You have three training camps, in theory. Uh, you got two mm -hmm. in the summer, and then you have one season, like, like in-season training camp at the beginning after tryouts. So... Let's let's go to off season uh, just because I've never heard of that before. I was kind of curious. Yeah. What what is a what does your training camp look like in July? What does it look like in August? What how many days? What what are you doing? Like what's the what's the the schedule? The structure? Yeah. So <clears throat> you know, I, I kind of took this. Uh, the, you know, our training camp. The, the philosophy was years ago. I, I remember watching these NFL ID camps, and they are putting these kids to the paces. Right. They are, you know, they're testing every physical aspect they can test. They set up baselines. They, you know, they, uh, they, they, they really want to know, you know, what kind of athlete they have. Um, and, it, and it's interesting. I, I kind of, we look at it the same way. We, we want to know what volleyball player we've got. And though these training camps allow us and, and some of the practices allow us to try things that aren't, What's the word? I guess, you know, aren't normal. And I'll, and I'll give an example. And I remember 10 years ago, we had a kid who ultimately played libero for us, but we recruited him out of high school and he was a middle. So, you know, all of that stuff, that knowledge to be able to say, hey, that kid can do something else comes out in these moments. And so we've got middles passing. You know, we've got outside hitters setting. We've got setters hitting. And we've got in training camp, we, we allow all these guys to do these different pieces um 
and, and you know, volleyball is pretty unique that way, right? Like everyone sort of has this position, but make no mistake in the middle of the rally, you might have to do two or three things that you don't normally do. And, and so it allows us to know, Hey, can this guy do it or not? You know, we've, and, and um, so that, that's the, you know, I think one of the, the hidden gems behind training camp, but primarily is we want to test these athletes. So we put them through all our strength and conditioning tests Right. We do all our, you know, vertical testing and our strength testing and, and, um, and we make it competitive. We, we've got HPC records that are, that go up in the school and, you know, all of our varsity programs at Humber are very successful. So the competition level is through the roof. You know, I, I often refer to it as that competition cauldron at Humber and, and, you know, there's this big pot and everybody's just stirring it up and, and who's going to be the best team. Is it men's basketball or women's volleyball or, you know, as you know, is it golf? And, and so when we're in our strength and conditioning group, you know, we're trying to beat records that other teams may have set, not just our own team. So, um, it, it just really just amps up that, that competitiveness that, uh, that we feel as a, as a, you know, an entire athletic program. Nice. I love it. So can you, I want to, I want to dive in and like dissect this a little bit more. What, what does, um, so how long is a, is a summer training camp session? Um, what is yep. your day made up of? What are the sessions? Like how, how does that work? Yeah. Depending on availability, traditionally it's either two or three days. So, um, and then they'll, they're usually the sessions themselves are the same. We try to keep it between 90 minutes to, to two hours. Um, the longest day is there's one day of the three where we do two or three a days, right? So this past training camp, the Saturday, we brought the kids in, they were starting at, you know, 9.30, 10 a.m. Um, we'll do a couple hour session, we'll break for lunch. The kids will get a chance to rest and recover. We bring them back in for another session. Uh, it could be testing, it could be, you know, playing different type of uh, skill drills. We'll break for dinner. And then we'll bring them back again for a third. And the, you know, the, the real eye, the eye opener for us is after we've done that three a day, the usually the last day we scrimmage. And I want to know how these kids function, operate, behave under stressful conditions, because make no mistake when you're in a national final, you know, except for a COVID year where there was nobody in the stands, there's traditionally thousands of people watching you. Right. Um, you know, and luckily for us this season, you know, we're hosting uh, CCAA national championships at Humber college this year. So we're going to be in front of thousands of our own home crowd and that poses its own amount of pressure. So uh, we need to make sure that the guys that are out there um, can handle it. And so we do that at, on the third day of training camp and we put, different, uh, you know, different, uh, exercises together just to see, you know, we may, we may start a match where we're down six points, right. Let's see how these guys come back. You know, we, we often do, you know, it's, I don't, I don't always look at it as starters versus bench, but we may put a stronger group on one side versus the other, um, and vice versa, right. Where we take a stronger group that's down or a stronger group that's up, you know, cause for me, you know, it's not just the first five points that are important, but those last five points are really important too, you know? So the, so when they come in for the third time, that's the scrimmage? Yeah, that third that third day would be the scrimmage. Then we'll do a 90 minutes or two hour scrimmage. Okay, so you have, so day one is like uh, just, uh, you know, court 
90 minute session, two hour session on yeah. whatever you yeah. decide to do. Do you have, do you have a specific, uh, like routine normally, like, like the first 90 minutes they come in, it's serving and passing. And then this 90 minutes is that like, how do you break the 90 minutes, to, you know, two hours up? No, that's a great question. We, we break that up based on our plan, right? So remember, we're talking about what we're going to do for the upcoming season. So right. I don't know. Let me I'll give you an example. Um, a, a great topic of discussion this season, this off season was libero positioning. You know, we're, we're looking at, you know, a lot of teams that if we do it differently, some, you know, play the libero in six, some play the libero in five and they're you know, looking at all different things. So that conversation, so maybe that's what we look at. And so on that first day, we start talking to these guys about, Hey, let's, uh, this is what we're thinking about. Let's try it out here in practice. Um, so yeah, the, the first, the first day really low key, um, really just trying to get them in because remember, some of the guys that come to training camp, because training camp, we try to make as mandatory as possible. Mm-hmm. Some of these kids are coming from far. They may not have practiced for six weeks. Right. You know, although we ask them to, we ask them to go home to wherever they're from. Um, but some of them just, they're just not able to, they're working or, you know, they've got uh, other responsibilities. So, so we keep, we try to keep that in mind that, you know, at the end of the day, I don't want anybody coming in that, you know, can't handle that load right away. So, so we kind of ease them into it. And then the second day, we'll do that three a day. Mm-hmm. And we'll, in the middle there, probably in the middle section primarily, we put the uh, testing Got to it. break it up a little bit. And then we'll put the testing in. And then on that third day, we'll have the, the, the two-hour scrimmage. Okay. Yeah. And is this the same formula you use for August as well? The second training? Well, yeah, yeah it, it is the same, but we ratchet it up a bit, right? Because now we, we increase it even more because now they know what to expect. Right. right? And, so, and this, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I, I, and I, I think you'll get it right away as soon as I, I tell you why we do it this way. I think you'll, you'll see the similarity. In the OCAA and the CCAA, this is, very, this is very intentional because if you look at how we run our playoff structure, it's exactly like this, where we run a three-day playoff structure in, at OCs. And, and then guess what? On Sunday or Saturday on the third day, you're dog tired and you're sore and you're, and you got to play a two hour match and, and try to win a match, uh, you know, a national medal or so. So we run these training camps in order to, you know, sort of emulate, uh, you know, very similarly what, what happens in our league. Got it. So, uh, so your, your August uh, training camp, is it this roughly two or three days as well? Same. Yeah. Okay. And then, so are you saying that after August, literally two weeks later, you're having your season training camp? Correct. So what happened? Well, the third one is not really a training camp. It's more now it's team building. So now what we'll do is we'll take them somewhere. We'll go to White Oaks. We'll go to Camp Olympia. We'll go wherever. And now we've picked the team and now we do some training, but more of the the sort of off court stuff. You know, hey, can I trust you? Are we going to be brothers? You know, uh, you know, what are the what do the coaches expect from me? You know, can I trust the coaches and all those kind of things that we learn that come out, um, you know, can, can all these guys work together? Can they work together on challenges that don't include volleyball? Um, you know, we've been doing a ton more mental training, excuse me, all that comes through during that off uh, that third camp. So interesting. So your actual season training camp, when the team is finalized is, isn't more, you're not teaching more systems and skills. Then you do that in the off season. You're teaching. You're now getting a chance for the guys to get get a chance to know each other. Exactly. 
Ah, that's exactly. that's interesting. I've never heard of it that way. Okay, that's so yeah. essentially. So tryout when you when you talk tryouts, you have your team pretty much already made. The tryouts is is a formality, and you may pick up an, a, a t- one or two if anything there. Yeah, a diamond a diamond may come into the gym, and and kids that just you know, there's lots of kids that kind of walk into the gym that just they just don't know the the, the process, right? They, yeah, maybe they come from a different country or or something, and then they. They just don't know, uh, oh, maybe I should reach out to the coach, but they, they know there's a tryout and they just show up at tryouts. So, yeah. but, I, but I'll be honest, if I, if I were to kind of summarize the last 10 years, man, I, I, you know, I remember when we first started, Hank and I first started, you know, we may have had one, maybe two club kids. Everything right. was high school, right? right? Everything was high school. But now it's the other way around. I might have one high school kid. Everything else is club and or transfers or you know whatever um, internationals things like that um, and you know a walk on it's it that that's really the diamond we we don't get very many walk ons so got it all right no this is really great man thank this is listen we haven't even got into the actual season yet but I've already there's so much nuggets here about how to plan your off season especially if you know the players that you're going to be working with and how to start thinking about. Uh, getting them yeah. early touches and getting them acclimated to your system and your fundamentals techniques and all that stuff. So now nah, this is, this is great stuff. Okay. So now yeah, let's we, we, Go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say we have a, 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 you know, the other advantage that we have, you know, for whatever reason, you know, I, I call it academic, but I, I think it's academic and, and, and a bit of the experience. Um, we get to keep kids, you know, kids are coming for three, four years and that's a huge advantage. You know, right. I, I feel for some of the coaches that have a turnover year over year. You know, you're, you know, I know that uh, you and I've talked a number of times, you know, that's one of the struggles that, that you're faced with is you might get a guy for a year or two and then he's gone. Right. Well, he was just starting to get good. Right. And, and, and you know, he's going to be able to see his best stuff now. But so we are uh, we are blessed to be able to have, um, you know, some degree programs at Humber and that allows us to keep kids for four years. So, right. um, you know, and, and I think because of the experience, you know, we, we put on a good show and the, the kids love it and, and they want to stay. You know, and, and I try to remind all these athletes that, you know, when they go to school, whether it's college, university, wherever they go, uh, they're going to work for 40 years of their life. So use this time wisely, enjoy it and yeah. you know, have an experience. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, yeah, completely agree. All right. So we, we got the off season taken care of. Uh, now we have a plan. We have tryouts. We have a, our, our third training camp, which we're team building. Um, and now we're starting our preseason. So is there anything that goes into how, how you're scheduling your preseason games? What's your, uh, you know, what's your philosophy regarding preseason exhibition play, all that stuff before the season actually starts? Yeah. You know, the, um, you know, Hank and I you know, kind of sat down years ago and, and said, listen, you know, we want to make preseason and practice and our, that, that philosophy. And I'm sure it's cliche at this point. I think everyone's heard it. We want to make it so difficult that when we actually get to a match, it's easy. Right. And that's sort of the thought. So all primarily all of our preseason matches are against OUA teams. You know, uh, you know, we've got a few um, OCAA teams that are sprinkled in there. But, you know, our Humber Cup um, this year is going to be comprised of Limaloo. Uh, I want to bring Limaloo in because they're good. Uh, Rock's a great friend of mine, but they beat us. So mm-hmm. I want to, uh, you know, I want to you want to see how good they're going to be as well. And they're a, a national uh, favorite. But then we've got six university teams coming in between Western and Windsor and University of Toronto and Nipissing. And so we, we bring those guys in because I want to be challenged, mm-hmm. you know, because if there's if there's going to be a group that's going to be able to find the cracks, 
it's a better team than you, right? right. So, um, so we want to, you know, I want to be pushed. I want to, you know, I want to, I tell the guys we're going to get punched in the mouth and we got to get back up and let's see how we can handle it. So we do that in our exhibition schedule as well. We have some OCW teams that, that, that we reach out to that we always get great matches against. So we pick a few of those, but it's definitely designed to really, really challenge the guys. And, and, you know, our thought is, you know, one is the, the challenge, but the second part is. I want to know, like I, I, before the season starts, I want to know which guys are going to be able to handle it and which guys can't and which guys I got to work with more in order to prepare them. Because I think ultimately they'll all be able to handle it. It's just some of them just aren't ready yet and they just haven't been given the right opportunity to perform. So, um, but then, you know, the season starts really soon. So I need to find out which guys are ready to go right away. Yeah, I know. I love that. I, I love that you treat the season, the preseason as a season on its own. Um, so we can, you know, you, you, you come out of a tough preseason where you're playing high level competition and then you go into a regular season where in theory it should be easier. Yeah. Well, well that is, that's a great way of, of looking at it. Absolutely. So now, so now we have our preseason and the season is, is kind of what it is. It's already planned for mm -hmm. you have your stuff. Uh, let's, let's dive into a little bit of practices. What goes into your practice planning? What does a typical practice look like? What's the structure of a practice? You know, how does that work? Yeah. I mean, we're pretty, um, again, we got a lot going on, right? So these guys have access to, you know, if I, if I look at their calendars and we try to keep it as organized as possible, you know, one of the things that we, we, we remind these guys, because we get kids that are coming in now and, and, and probably more so than ever before that are familiar with the VNL and they're familiar with playing pro in Europe and they're familiar with the national training center and our own national team. And they want, they have aspirations of going there. So, you know, we have a, we have this, uh, you know, this sort of, you know, I'm not sure what the mission statement, I guess, that we put together and, and a mantra about preparing like a professional, right. Preparing like a pro. Well, if you want to prepare like a pro, well, then it means you have to work hard and you're going to have to do some very disciplined things, which a lot of the athletes that we get aren't, right? They're not very disciplined. And our hope is, is that by the time they're, they're able to graduate, that they have learned a little bit of that discipline. So we, we map it all out. Their week could look at anywhere between four to six days a week. Um, and it's not that volleyball is on every one of those days, but there could be some sort of volleyball related activity. We have two we have a minimum of two team workouts, right? So they'll do two training sessions as a team uh, with our, our strength and conditioning coach. Um, they've got ongoing therapy sessions that they reach out to. We have a student therapist, but we also have our head therapist that they'll reach out to for treatment. Uh, but we also offer other, other things that, that, that we want to help bring the guys together. We do yoga. Uh, we've got a swimming pool that's on, on site so they can do swimming. Um, so that's a really busy and by the way, we haven't even talked volleyball yet. So they got all those things. Uh, we have mental strength coach that sits with them and works with them. Um, you know, one of the things that we learned, uh, well, when we went to the uh, we went to the VNL coaching symposium this past um, this past month. I think it was May, and uh, we we learned that the national team and and actually OUA is using a uh, a, pro a product called Perfbook, which sort of tracks sort of the, the, the whole athlete experience. So it tracks their, their mental, their physical, as well as their training. So we're looking at doing something similar to that, that allows them, so we get a bigger, a better picture of what the athlete's going through. 
So things like, you know, they wake up in the morning and they can say, hey, you know, how do you feel today? Oh, I'm a seven or eight out of 10. What is you that know, called? You, Wait, what's the thing called? Do they use yeah, it? It's called, it's called Perf Book. So P-E-R-F Book. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, look into it. It's a, you know, I can send you some info on it. Uh, OUA did it last year. They signed them all up, but then I think they use it primarily for video exchange. Um, but the, the modules in it are, are, uh, are, are, are awesome. And we're looking to take advantage of some of that. So, um, but yeah, so we want to get a, a full look at the, the, um, you know, the, the athletes, what, what they're going through, right. The stress they're going through, through the day. And then as we get a better picture of that, we can determine what practice is going to look like. So, so as the, the season goes on, we'll practice three, four times a week, a couple hours of practice. As the season goes on, we may, you know, shorten the length of practice because it's more targeted. You know, if we've got to prepare, like your practice before a game is not going to be the same as, you know, the practice after a match, right? So, you know, we may, we may shorten it, only do an hour, hour and a half, right? Get the guys rep, show them the game plan. Let's walk through the paces and then they're ready to go. But the one after they could do a regen. We could do some more passing. We could sit down um, and, and kind of just review the positives and the negatives and kind of, you know, and, and I really try to, I know it's difficult and I, I don't, I, I don't think I'd be the first coach to say this. I really try to stay away from as much negatives as possible. Um, you know, I think, I think sometimes in sport, I know it's easy to pick out what went wrong, right? And and I think they have to be aware of it. They, you know, you have those athletes that are, uh, you know, I, I used to coach baseball. I remember my son used to play baseball and he was a pitcher. And, you know, every pitcher that ever that ever uh, walked a guy didn't know he walked the guy. Right? You go out there and say, hey, you know, how many, how many guys do you think you walked today? And he says, oh, probably just one. And meanwhile, he's walked five guys, right? And he's like, no, no, a little bit more than that. So I think they need to know but we can't harp on it. And, and I think that's the biggest issue. So, you know, try to, try to reinforce the, the, you know, I, I, I talked to these guys, I uh, kind of get that a little bit from the blue Jays where, you know, that whole moving forward thing, just keep moving forward, man. Like, you know what, you, you, you'll get it. Just keep moving forward. And, you know, we didn't do this well today. No problem. Let's just keep going and, and we'll, we'll figure it out tomorrow and um, bring it to their attention. But I just think that um, they'll end up presenting you, I think, as a, as a player. You know, you become, <laughs> I kind of hate, I hate to use this analogy. You be kind of, you kind of become a little bit more like a parent. And, uh, you know, it's funny because I get calls from parents all the time asking me to talk to their kids because the kids have a different conversation with me than they would as a, a parent. And I, and listen, I'm a father of four kids and I, I, I would say the same thing. I, uh, you know, I think that my kids and the coaches that they spoke to had different conversations than speaking with us as parents. So. Yeah. So that's practice. And um, so it's pretty intense. It's pretty heavy duty. And then in the middle of all that, I, I throw in some video, <laughs> say, Hey, we had, you know, we give them an app. So we make it easy. I really try to eliminate the whole um, let's sit in a room and review video for an hour. I, I, I really don't see the value in, you know, John and Jim watching the same video as we speak to Phil about what he's doing right or wrong. Okay. So I think if we're able to uh, individualize it a bit more, I think they get more out of it. So um, we give them things like uh, huddle. They use huddle as a, yeah. as a video platform. We do volumetrics. 
uh, as well. So give them statistics. We give them some video, get them to watch it on their free time. And I really try to put the onus on them to come prepared. You tell me what you saw. You tell me what you think you did well or didn't do well. And uh, let's start there. Yeah, I know. I, I love it. Yeah. And I absolutely like with uh, individual film versus team film, there's, there's a time and a place. And uh, yeah, I think without a doubt, there's more advantage in a player looking at themselves and having that conversation with you and looking at it ahead of time too. Yeah, no, I know. I love that. So three to four times a week practice, uh, you know, two team lifts and then uh, you got therapy, um, you got yoga and a bunch of other things you're doing, which is great. Uh, is there a structure to your practices in itself? Like, do you have, you know, you start off with a warm up, and then you do a, a fun thing, or you do a a, a, a drill here. Like, how do you structure like a pra particular practice? Is there a specific? Yeah, I know. Is it how you? Is it general, or is it everything is completely no, no, different every no, practice? No, no, everything. No, listen, I'm uh, doing this a long time, so I'm a bit of an old dog that way, and uh, everything's got to be structured. And you know, we we you know we uh, and again the advantages. We've got a number of assistant coaches, so everyone's kind of got a responsibility what they're going to do, and um. However, one of the things that we have changed, and I'd probably say a couple of years before our national championship win, uh, we made we made the change, is the first half hour practice is actually run and dictated by the team. And, and so what I mean by that is it's not initiated or there, there's no influence from the coaches. So we've drafted out what we want to see and our team leaders run it. They're responsible for it to make sure everybody's doing it right, making sure that uh, the intensity level is, is there. You know, um, one of the things that- Hold on, sorry. On so our, wait, yeah. you're, so you guys say what you want to work on and then you give it to them and say, okay, now you guys go do it however, however you want to do it or do they say what they want to work on? No, no, no. When I say work on, I mean like uh, we're talking about warm up. So we're just like, we've got six or seven items that we need to start to warm up on. And we'll warm up on those. Those have to be accomplished before our technical practice starts. So, like, give me an right? example of like six or seven items. Yeah. So we do we do a couple different things, like three lines, right? So self toss backcourt to a down ball. The other guys on the other side digging. We'll do them three separate lines within the court. Uh, we do blocking progressions. So we have blocking lines. Guys are, you know, and these are all done at about eighty percent. Right? Yeah. In order for them to kind of get themselves to going. We also run a drill, we call it aspect, where we're, you know, we've got two hitting lines that are hitting cross-court balls to be dug and played out from the other side. Um, they they play it out to a continuation. The guys that are on this side dig it up, set it, go back, and they're trying to score. One yeah. side's trying to score, one side's trying to keep it alive. So these type of things, they're static, um, as in they're the same drills we do every single day for the first 30 minutes. But they're not coach initiated. The players and, and, and what we're trying to show these guys is, you know, we're not out there on the court to play. We're not, you know, I'm not serving the ball in a game. I'm not passing the ball in a game. So they need to be in control and they need to expect a certain level of, uh, you know, uh, intensity, a certain level of responsibility from their fellow players. So, you know, one of the things we also don't have on our team is we don't have team captains. I have a court captain, setter traditionally is a court captain, but he's a captain because I get him to flip a coin and pick heads or tails or you know, serve or side. Right. So that that's pretty much it, but we don't really have a court captain. We have uh, what I refer to as a leadership council. So we've got three, four guys and um, we traditionally have 
you know, three vets and, and a rookie who will represent the, the new guys on the team. And those guys are responsible for team behavior, and, you know, and, and structure and, and, you know, the, the, the intensity, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I know. I love that. Actually, you're, you're, I, I've been hearing this concept of leadership council a lot. Like Brock does it at U of A and there's a bunch of other ones that have like a leadership group and they're the ones that kind of yeah. run it. No, no, that's, that's fantastic. So yeah, so you got your, um, so they run the first 30 minutes and then you'll go into your, your, your specific, uh, whatever, whatever you the plan is. For, yeah. And then, yeah. and then is it like wash drill scrimmage at the end? It depends. So I'll give an example. I mean, obviously day before a match, yes, we're going to scrimmage, right? We're going to run through lineups, we're going to run through, you know, a lot of times, you know, you may identify, Hey, we're going to play this team tomorrow or the next day. And, and, you know, they, they're heavy right side presence. So let's work on, you know, funneling the ball to a specific zone in the court. Let's, you know, and we'll run through that um, for a majority of the practice on a, a day before a game, but after a weekend tournament or after a weekend match, you know, we have a couple matches, head down to Windsor and we come home. Well, that Monday practice could be just primarily serve and pass. Yeah, exactly. Right? You know, get some setting reps and, you know, we got the setting targets out for, for the setters all the time. Uh, we want those guys, you know, that that's one of the very similar to serving. It's, it's just a ton of repetition, right? right. It's just like passing, you know, I want to see these setters set 10,000 balls. Just go, 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 go. Um, that way when, you know, the, you know, you, you mentioned VNL, we watch VNL. There's guys that, you know, I, I, I can't, I, I'm pretty sure it was Christensen, um, or it might've been Janelli and the Italian team, a ball came at them, just, just randomly came at them off a shanked pass and he chicken winged it to a perfect set. And it's just like, you know, guaranteed that somehow in, in practice happened. Right. And, yeah. and, and, you know, he just kind of got to it. So yeah. those kind of things, you just got to have lots and lots of time and, and lots of reps to, uh, got it to do it. So to finish off this, this topic here in terms of practice, what, what is a, like, what is a typical week in your, like, like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, what happens in a typical week when you practice film team lift, et cetera, you know, run me through a really typical week. Yeah. Well, listen, uh, I'll start with, I'll, I'll do the easy day first. So, you know, even God didn't work on Sunday. So we try to keep Sunday off yep. uh, as often as possible. Um, if you're a religious man, uh, but it just cause it, you know, again, we, these guys got to rest, they got homework, they got all these other things to do. So it's a, it's a great day on the weekend for them to, to kind of to rest. And then we get back at it on Monday. So they could do, um, and, and traditionally in the OCAA, for whatever reason, I, I, I don't design the schedule. Man, you can have a weekday game. And, know. You know, you can have a you can have a you can have a literally a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday game, like any any one of those days. Yeah. So because of that, the day before or the second day before, we try to take off, right, for rest and mm -hmm. and, and recovery. Um, and what we may do is during those days. Uh, do a, that yoga or send them up to high performance, and they can do a regen during those days the other days so monday tuesday and and as you can imagine i'm sure everyone does it the intensity increases as the week goes on got it with with our with our third or fourth practice leading uh and and uh, again I, I think it's tactical I, I don't think there's anything bad about saying it it's going to come down to the level of your opponent you know at the end of the day if i'm playing a top opponent that week well intensity is going to be pretty big and, 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 you know, we're going to work the guys, but we're not going to overwork them because we got a big match coming up. Um, if we're playing a much easier opponent that week, huh, odds are, 
you know, we can rest a little bit. We can, you know, we right. can relax a little bit more. So right. we try not to, um, you know, you know, we try to prepare the guys and let them know that, you know, on any given day, you know, you can get beat, but there are some times you can take a bit of a breather. So. Okay. No, I got it. Perfect. All right. Well, let's, uh, I got a couple more key things I want to talk about before we wrap up here. Sure. Um, the big one that, uh, one of my personal favorites and something that every coach wants to talk about is culture cliche. Everyone talks about culture. I, I want to know, I mean, national championship program here. What are things about your culture that's different? You know, what are things about your culture that makes it strong, that continues to breathe that championship style culture? Whether, forget the wins or losses. Yes, you, you, you're obviously, you, you guys are fantastic. You guys won national championship, et cetera. But what is it about, you know, you guys that that's just different, that this is why I want to come, you know, I want to play. I want to be in this program. I don't want to leave, you know, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Culture's key. Eh? I mean, you know, you look at any great program professionally or not, um, you know, they have a, they have a, a distinct advantage, uh, you know, they use the New York Yankees as an example or New England Patriots or, you know, any of these, these perennial all-star teams, everybody wants to go there. And they all want to go there, whether it's because of big money or because of a great, you know, you know, you hear about Boston, right? Oh, it's just a great sport town. You know, the fans are fantastic and the, you know, it, so everybody wants to go and, and, so we, we feel the same way. We feel as though we want to create an environment. And if you've ever been to a Humber College home match, man, the show that they put on to get prepared, to, 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 to amp up the fans, to, it, it's, just, it's just a great, great experience. And so I think it, it has to start with the people. And if you've got great people, they're going to want to produce a great product. And, I, you know, I, I constantly get emails from – from people who've been out to a game who say to me, Hey, listen, you know, my son's playing 14 U at Pac-Man and we came out to your, your, your hosting night and it was awesome. And all he can do now is talk about wanting to come to Humber college and he's 13 years old, you know, 14 years old. So for me, that says, okay, we're putting on a, a really good show. That's in, in, in you know, it, it's sticking with the kids and, and they want to see that. So how do we now, carry that over to our guys, you know, they're, that are, that are there now. And how do we keep uh, it keep rolling over? And I think it comes down to success. I think success breeds success. Um, great players want to play with great players and, and, you know, nobody, and I've often had this conversation with athletes who come to me and say, you know, coach, I didn't play. And, you know, I want to come here and be a starter. And I want to, and I often tell them that, listen, you know, if, if your goal is just to be a starter, we may not be the right place for you, you know, because at the end of the day, none of our guys care who starts. They just care who wins. And, and sometimes you'll, they, you'll, you know, they'll tell you, they hear me say all the time that, you know, it's not the, you know, back in the day it was six, but now it's seven with libero. It's not the seven best players that play. It's the seven best that play together. And so for us, when you've got that, I mean, and Brian, you you've been you know been witness to it. You know, you look at our bench, man. Those guys, they I mean they they celebrate, you know, like like they're out on the court, and and I think that says to to the fans, and it says to the recruits, and it says to the parents, if that guy's going to be number fifteen or sixteen on the bench, and he's going to cheer as loud as he's cheering for his brothers that are playing, there's something going on here, and I think we've just been able to 
to uh, you know bottle up a good formula of, of, of success with good, honest, hardworking coaches. Um, you know, a lot of times, you know, I tell I tell kids that you know it's it's not going to be easy, but it's going to be worth it. And 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 we hope that they they take some of those words and 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 really put it into um, put it into practice because we got some great kids. And we and listen, we've been blessed, right? We we've had some great people. Um, that have kind of come through the program and, and uh, some veterans that, that, you know, I can name, I can name a, a whole bunch and I'll miss a whole bunch. So I'd rather not say, but there's a, all I can tell you is to all my alumni, man, it's because of them that we continue to be successful. Right. Right. No, 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 absolutely. I love it. Um, I want to dive a little more deeper into this culture thing. Yeah, like, absolutely. Like absolutely. every, every coach has different, different ways. Like I'll give an example of, you know, for me, um, a lot of some things we do differently is like, you know, when you, when you come into the gym, you high five your coaches and your, uh, in your athletes before you do anything, you don't touch a ball until you high five everyone before you leave, you know, you do the same thing. Um, uh, Brock at U of a, since we talked about him, he has a, a gratitude circle of the week that they do. Right. Yep. Are there anything, are there any, any, any unique things that, you know, that you do with your team specifically that helps really enhance that culture? Um, <laughs> yeah, there's a couple of things. Actually, it's funny, you know, um, we're very multicultural at Humber. There's, you know, I, I've got players on my team from all different walks of life and all different uh, parts of the world. And, you know, we, we've been very, uh, very blessed to be able to get some international kids from Brazil to come lately. And, and so for us, we have to mesh, not just, you know, different nationalities, but literally different cultures to create one symbiotic culture, right? So that's really a challenge for us. So I'm going to tell you, um, you know, I've been a, a, a pretty successful salesperson at, uh, at Bell Canada. My sales background has helped me coaching. There's no doubt about it. And I think my coaching has helped my sales. Um, I'm able to talk freely with people. I think I'm a pretty charismatic and funny guy. And, and I think I can relate with some of the, the athletes. And yep. so humor, humor is, is a big part of what we do. Um, but a couple of unique things. Yeah, I'll give you one. Um, you come to Humber College, you'll be part of a WWE wrestling match every game. And what I mean by that is if you've ever watched any of our pregame, well, you probably haven't seen it because it happens behind the curtain. So behind our curtain, our guys participate in this fake, you know, Hulk Hogan-esque type performance it's really performance art where they pretend to be in this wrestling match and, and these guys are all some of the guys are cheering and some of the guys are refereeing and some of the guys are partaking and, and they do this all as a as a bonding moment to prepare to go out onto the court and you know again it's if you ever get a chance to see it you got to watch it it's absolutely fantastic um, it's a parody obviously on, on on wrestling and and the guys just have a great time with it and uh, and the fact that you know uh, we're able to do that year after year is awesome. Um, and it shows that, you know, our leadership council works tirelessly at passing the torch, understanding that, Hey, I might be the leadership council today, but tomorrow it may be you. And you've got to learn from me so that you can do it for your, you know, your generation. So um, that's one of them. I think the other one too, is I try to keep the guys on edge and and, and let them understand that, you know, they, listen, they'll tell, they'll tell you themselves. You don't need me to say it, but I often tell them all that I don't like them often. And I, I kind of either start practice or end practice with a statement. And, and I bring them all in a huddle and I remind them that I, I really don't like any of them, but I love them all. 
And I think they understand that sometimes practice is hard and sometimes so is life. And, you know, although you may not like it and it may not, you know, it may be painful and it, it, it may hurt and it may not be fun and may not be doing and, and you may not be performing the way you want, understand that the guys that are doing it with you love you. And, you know, that we, uh, that we're in it together and, you know, we're here to support and help out. And I think you want to build a good culture. You show me a bunch of guys that love each other. They'll work hard for each other. Okay. Got it. So, uh, just to wrap up the culture talk here. So, I mean, obviously it starts with the people you mentioned your, your environment uh, at Humber is fantastic when it comes to games and it's just, you know, uh, you, you create an amazing experience for anyone who walks through that gym. So fantastic, uh, success breeds success. I like that. I love, I love the WWE thing. That's really funny. I really yeah, like what you is. said. Um, uh, it's not the best seven players, but it's the best seven players that play together. I think that's, that's yeah. a fantastic way of, uh, of, of putting that together. It- and listen, you know, I'll give you one great example, okay? Because and it, it's a very, um, for your listeners, it's a very, uh, I'm sure they've come across the same thing, right? We've all sat there and, and, and said, man, you know, I got this guy and I want to put him on the team, but he's like 5'9". You know, and listen, in men's volleyball at the CCAA level, national championships, these guys are big dudes, right? Like, you know, we got guys. And so I remember in 2012, when we won a national championship my athletic director, we're going into the national final. And he says to me, he says, you know, who are you starting tomorrow? And I said, well, we're going to go with X, Y, Z, blah, blah, blah. And, and we're going to start Chris Ling. And he says, Chris Ling, he goes, really? And I said, yeah. And I, and I tell the story all the time. And Chris, Chris is aware of the story too. Chris Ling was a five, nine outside hitter. But I'm going to tell you something. This kid played his role, man. Perfectly. You know, he, he was our P2, you know, he got, he got all the garbage stuff that, you know, nobody else wanted and he, and he didn't, he didn't make mistakes, but you know what? He's a solid defender, solid blocker, passed the ball great. And he played a role to perfection. And I remember my AD going, he's sick. He's five, nine. Are you like, this is the national championship. And without hesitation, the answer is, but the team loves him. And they played great with him. Right. So it wasn't even a question for us. So, yeah, sometimes that happens. And, and I think that that's where you, you really get a lot of, um, you know, I, I work on this system that we call currency. So every player comes in with zero. Every player that walks in my gym comes in with zero currency, no money, no dollars, nothing. But as you do things, you gain currency. And as your currency grows, so does your opportunity. And when you do things that aren't good, you lose currency. And that's, you know, so they, um, they all know, they all know that, uh, yeah, man, you know, I want to, I want to build my currency. I want to make sure the coach knows when he looks down the bench, I'm ready to go, you know, right. or if I'm on the court, I'm performing because I'm building currency. And so for me, that best seven, it, it really is about the seven best that play together. Right. I, li- I like the currency thing. That's, that's a great way. You don't actually keep track of this currency. This is a mental currency, right? It's a mental, yeah, it's a mental yeah. currency, yeah. No, that's great. Okay, I got two more things for you before you wrap this up. We're getting to the end here. Yeah. Um, so we talked about uh, preseason, talked about seasonal stuff, culture, um, really a lot, like, really a lot of, a lot of planning, like how you plan certain things. Um, let's let's go into recruiting here now. Um, so for our college and, yeah. and uh, university coaches out here, and, and actually in the in the U.S., the, the recruiting is a big thing. 
uh, we, majority of our Huge. listeners are in the are in the U.S. And uh, I just want to know what is, what is your strategy to recruiting? What is your approach to recruiting? You know, um, I know you talked about at the beginning. Uh, you know, you sit down at the end of the season and you, you figure out what you need going into the next season and what you know how that works. But like you said, you know, you're recruiting all year long. So what's your what's your strategy to to recruiting? How does that work? Yeah, so you know, it's kind of funny because it's a story. It's two different stories with recruiting for me. So I'm going to say prior to say eight years ago and then the last eight years. Okay. I'll break it in two. So prior to eight years ago, man, I was on the road. I was driving, I was going to OVA tournaments. So I was talking to parents and high school teachers and building relationships with clubs and, you know, trying to make lists, right? Lists. Who's this, who's that, who's there with this kid. And it worked okay. And we were getting some great players, but you know, I didn't really have a database per se, Mm -hmm. but it was all self-driven. So I was out doing it nothing was really coming to me, right? So no passive income per se. So, and then about eight years ago, I don't know what it was. I just, I just, I don't know, just one day I was, I was on Instagram and I'm, I'm, I'm flipping through going, oh yeah, oh, this player and this player. And then I started looking at it and I'm looking at these algorithms going, wait a second. If you look at this player, all of his likes are from other players. And so, what ended up happening is, you know, I just kind of put two and two together and I went, man, you know, if I, if I look at this guy, well, if I look into who, who he follows and who, et cetera, all of a sudden I have a list of all of these athletes and all of these different volleyball players that I had no access to prior. Right. So Instagram really, and social media in general, really opened up the door for us as recruiters to be able to um, just identify that there are a number of players that never really get contacted. And for us in the CCAA, um, you know, I, I'll be honest. I, I think when you look at a hundred kids out of Ontario, you know, your top 50 of them are probably going to the OU or somewhere else in U sport. So for me though, a lot of times those guys went because they never heard of us, not because it was a choice that they wanted. A lot of times it is. Yeah. A guy that wants to go to Western, he wants to go to Western. You know, nothing I can do with that. But there are some guys that are like, oh, coach, I'm, I'm really undecided. I want to go to youth sport, though. And I say, well, what's the reason? Is it because of the degree or is it because of the, the, the level of play or what's the reason? Oh, no, no. I just I, I the degree is the degree. I just you know think I want to play at this school. I said, OK, well, then that's perfect. But if you want a certain degree, if it's because you want to get kin degree or you want to get a business degree, well, we offer that at Humber, too. So, you know. There, and, and just by opening their eyes to that kind of stuff, it, it really helped us. And, and so social media for us, and then we created uh, our own social media brand uh, about four years ago with Hawks in the Six. And um, man, now with all our followers and, and we're promoting and we're putting that experience, that culture out there right. in the world for everyone to see. I mean, JP is, you know, constantly, JP runs our uh, social media presence. He um, He's constantly sending me, information about hey this person's reached out that person's reached out and and you know now as i said now we're getting passive income right so now they're coming to us right so and that's uh, and that's that was the difference the first part of recruiting was all us just going out going out going out but now now the kids are starting to see a successful program and these kids are drawn to tiktoks and they're drawn to you know instagram videos and and they want to see you as a coach and they want to right. see your players and and the program. So we're throwing it out there for them to watch. And right. so now kids from all over the world, like, like Brian, you know, you know, not to pat ourselves on the back here, but 
you know, I'll probably get a dozen or more emails from around the world. I'm not talking about Canada, but Australia, Europe, um, Brazil, South America, like all over the place on kids that are saying, hey, we want to come to your school because we see it on YouTube. Right. So I guess like, I mean, this this entire interview kind of encompasses what, what your, your whole recruiting strategy because if you think about it, when someone comes to a home game, when someone sees you guys play uh, social media, uh, the winning culture, the success, um, that is kind of your recruiting for itself. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but that, that kind of does it for you. Is there, is there anything else you do in addition to that, to add on to that, that is, is special about, you know, what you guys do, a strategy you guys use? No, you know, you know, I often talk to the coaches, especially because I, I try to head up recruiting myself just because for me, it's about, you know, I, I'm so, I'm so in tune with the, the culture piece mm -hmm. that I want to make sure that the guys that I'm talking to can fit that culture. You know, for me, personality is so important. And I want to make sure that when I'm talking to a guy, because it, it, it literally can take one or two athletes to really derail your team if they're not coachable, right? Or if yep. they're not, you're not, you know, they're not on the same page. Because, you know, I think it was Pat Riley that said, you're either in or you're out. There's no in between. Right. So we believe that, too. It's either you're in and you buy into what we, you know, what we want as a group or you're out because, you know, you can't kind of walk, you know, walk half the line. So but I want to know the kid. I want to be able to talk to the kid. We have player interviews all the time and, and, and getting an understanding of what they what they're like as a as a player. And then we sit down and talk as coaches and say, hey, do you think this kid will fit? You know, right. or do you think this kid won't? So um, but no, I, I really look at it as, you know. You know, it, it, you know, this this boat has a whole bunch of holes in it, and we're all plugging the holes to keep the boat afloat. And it really only takes one hole to sink your ship. You're so right. you got to make sure, you know, you're watching your social media. You got to make sure you're, you're you're picking the right kids. You got to make sure your the, the the product you create is very competitive. You got to make sure that your sports info people are doing a great job. You got to like all of those things. And in the midst of all that, by the way, you got to win. <laughs> you got to play. Yeah. You got to have a great. You know, so uh, yeah, we're, we're plugging a bunch of holes and we're, we're, we're just hoping that, uh, you know, the kids see the effort that we put into, to making it a great product. Yeah, man. No, absolutely. I love it. Uh, recruiting is easy when you already have a solid foundation, you're winning. It's there. No, absolutely. Okay. I got two more quick ones for you and then that's it. So uh, right. just to, just to My finish time is your time. <laughs> appreciate it, man. Just to finish up here, what is, uh, you know, as a coach, three pieces of advice that you can give another coach listening to this that is aspiring to win a national championship, uh, that is aspiring to be, you know, the best coach they can be. Three pieces of advice. What do you got for them? Don't stop. First one. Um, and I say that quickly because, man, it took me 12 years to win my first provincial championship. So, and, and, and I'm going to tell you, the year that we won a national championship, I, I had no, there was no, there was no, oh, yeah, this is the year. There was no... It's going to, there was bumps in the roads. There was, you know, so you win it when you least expect it. Um, but when it, it, what I will say is when you, when you think it's going to go wrong, don't stop. Just keep going. Cause it, it, it might be around the corner. It, it literally might be just around the corner. So, yeah. So my first piece of advice is, uh, is don't stop. I guess the second one is be honest. And when I say be honest, I mean, be honest with your kids, be honest with yourself, be honest with your coaches, you know, do the right thing. Um, you know, at the end of the day, you, you may think something comes up, it's a great opportunity, but you know, it's the wrong one. 
just walk away and, and just be honest because um, it'll come out at some point where you're sitting back going, Oh, you know, I didn't, uh, I didn't tell, you know, I didn't share this with my coaches or I, I you know, I, I told a kid he was going to be a starter and he's not and yeah. all of these things. And it just causes more problems than it's worth. And then I guess the third piece of advice is, uh, you know, you got to enjoy it. You got, you got to have fun. Uh, I, I, you know, I, and I'd say this to, uh, I, I say this to my bell team. I say it to my Humber team. Um, I want to do this into retirement. This is what I love to do. I love teaching, you know, and, and helping kids transition from being young men to tax paying citizens. And, and I think, um, you know, teaching them how to play volleyball and winning a little bit because sport, man, you know, we get kids that come in and, and teaching them to be part of a team. It's so important for when they leave, because I don't care what you do, whether you're a baker or you're a construction worker or a CEO of a company, at some point, if you've had an opportunity to work on a team, you're just going to be better. You're just going to be better. So, yeah, I think those three things, uh, you know, and, and, and I think those will help any coach. And, right. and you got to enjoy it. If you don't enjoy it, you're not going to do it for a long time. Right. No, absolutely. Great advice. Okay. I, I lied. I, I looked at my notes and I had actually one more thing to ask you before we wrap this up. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Uh, I I'm know good. you're a, you're a tactical guy. You're an X's and, go, and, a, and O's guy, which is why I can't believe I Try missed to this be. point here. Um, the last big ticket item that I wanted to ask you is regarding systems. So you are, uh, I know you're a systems guy. Um, is there, so it's like a, like a two-parter. How do you go about thinking about the system that you're going to run both defense and offense? All right. Think about how you plan your systems. And then obviously advice you can give coaches when it comes to planning their systems. What makes a good system? How do you think about okay. systems? All right. How does that work? Yeah, no, no, that's good. Actually, it, it allows me because I've, I've been uh, meaning to try to slip in an analogy for your listeners to, that I kind of learned early on. And, and so I think this question will be able to help me slip that in at the same okay. time. So I learned, I learned very early in my career, I, I was listening to a, uh, a story being told to me by uh, somebody who played on the PGA. And, and the PGA had done a study where there was you know, X number of PGA golfers, okay, that all drive the ball well over 300 yards, okay? But the interesting part was a high percentage of them all drive the ball over 300 yards, but their swing mechanics are all different. So you sit back and you think, okay, well, there's a high percentage of them all drive the ball over 300 yards, but a whole bunch of them do it differently. So, you know, how can I relate that to volleyball? Well, what was interesting about that study was there was one thing with all of those different swings that was the same, and that was the point of impact. So whether your arms are out here or up there, or your hips are there or this, whatever it was, was when the club face comes around and hits a golf ball, that point of impact is identical with all of these people. Okay. And that's what made the ball go so far. So I often use that when I'm thinking about strategy for volleyball. And I often think, because I hear you and I listen to your podcast and you have, man, lots of discussions about passing or setting or blocking and we should do it this way or that way. But I think the, the interesting thing is that there really isn't just one way. Yep. There, there, there really is a, a number of different ways. You know, I think, I think it's Dustin Watton out of the, the U.S. That, that talks about passing in great detail. And he was a great passer. And he talks about some things that are probably not very popular with other coaches. Yep. And, but it worked for him or it worked for his athletes. And I'm sort of the same way. I kind of think that 
you know, when I look at a, uh, you know, an, uh, you know, whatever it's a say de- defensive position, sometimes I got to look at the personnel and, and say to myself, although I want it to be XXX, I might have to make it XYX because of this guy, because he's just a little different in the way he does it. And I, I do the same thing with offense. You know, Terry Liskovich, man, he beat this into our heads years ago. Don't try and do something tactically that you can't, you can't do, do technically. technically. Yeah. Right. And so we sit there and we're trying to make an offensive system, but we don't have the, 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 the proper athletes or the, the, the guys that can do what we're trying to do. So I, I really try to get a, a good handle on the group. And, and I just, again, I just think there's a, a multiple of different ways to achieve the same goal. And I think that if you, if you can live with that flexibility, then whatever system you choose, you'll be able to manipulate it in order to fit to sort of uh, fit your your team. What kind right? of systems do you like? Like, is there any particular one that you like? And a reason for that? No, you, listen. You know, I think volleyball. You know, volleyball in the in the just in the very basics of it can be so simple. Mm-hmm. Like we really, we as athletes and coaches make it difficult. I mean, we're talking about a, a sport that is serve, bump, set, spike, maybe a block, throw in a dig. I mean, it doesn't get any easier than that. That's you know, right. we don't have a play. We don't have an NFL playbook. I know. 150. Like, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. you know, you know, we got, you know, four or five zones at the net. We have, you know, three, three, four zones in the backcourt. Can we make more? Absolutely. But then let's be honest here. I'm, I'm coaching a top level nationally ranked college team. I'm not coaching you know, the USA men's national team or the Canadian men's national team. There are things that my athletes can't do that those athletes can do. So I think a lot of times we try to do more than we need to. And we forget about certain things. I we're, we're heavy serving team. We focus a lot on serving because it's the introduction of the ball. And we believe that if we can put our, if we can put stress on our opponent, it's going to make everything else easy. We'll be able to block better. We'll be able to dig better, in which case we'll then be able to transition better. So, you know, there, there's just certain pieces that fit. Not everyone does that. You know? yeah. Other coaches, other coaches go with the philosophy of, no, let's just get the ball over, let them have it. And then we're going to work on stopping them. Okay. Maybe that works for you. Right. And, and maybe it will work for certain coaches. I just think you really got to know your team. Um, and I, you know, the other part, and I, I, you know, I said this with the wisdom stuff. I think a little bit is I just try not to overcomplicate. Listen, I'm not an overly smart guy, man. I try to make it as simple as possible. I honestly think that if I can understand it, anyone can understand it. So I try to keep it simple so that these guys can uh, can grasp it and 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 just get their buy-in from there. Right. Wow, man. Yo, that's fantastic. Yo, I, I appreciate it. I love it. And yeah, I, I think that's the best piece of advice for systems is it, your system is predicated predominantly on your personnel. Like who do you have on your team and what they can do? And you go from there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I talked about it, right? Like we had Ferrari last year, you know? Right. So, Hey, the river runs through it. Right. So he's the guy, you know, and, and, you know, when this guy's, you know, turning up 20, 30 points in match, you know, we're going to give him the ball. And, and so, you know, does that mean, does that fit in my system? Probably not, right? But we adapted, right? We adapted the, and it probably doesn't fit in a lot of coaches' systems. You know, a lot of coaches are sitting back, going, "Listen, I want to have four people scoring. I want to have, you know, you know." I looked at uh, a graphic I saw against um, 
Poland and uh, USA in the semifinal yep. uh, VNL this year. And the USA, man, pretty much to a T, ran that middle zone at about a 45 to 55% clip. That's clearly what they want to do. That's their yeah. system and it, and it works for them, right? So, but if guaranteed, make no mistake, if they have Leon out on an outside pin somewhere, maybe that number changes, right? Right. You know, uh, you know, if Matt Anderson was playing for them on the right, maybe that maybe number that changes, changes. Yeah. However, so, TJ did a great job coming into that finals that, and going to work. F- fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. And it was a great, and listen, that, that the France final, I mean, could you ask for more like a, you know, yeah. a five setter and yeah, it was just, just awesome. Yeah. Oh, no, man. That's great. All right. Let's just, just do a quick recap here. Just the stuff we talked about. Um, so we started off with the off season, uh, really, really great stuff, you know, uh, really great advice. One week later, we're in the film room trying to figure out what's going on, the pros and cons of the team, you know, looking at what the league is going to be like. And then you start your one-on-one, uh, season ending interviews, which is fantastic. You got a four month plan, give or take for your off season where you're training about, you know, twice, one to one to two times a week. Um, I love the 90 minutes where you have 30 minutes for them to really get some individualized training. That's, you know, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, um, they've got to love it, right? They got to, they, I mean, they, they grew up as little kids playing the game. They just love playing. So we've got to no, let them play absolutely. sometimes. No, I, I love it. Yeah. You got your training camps, uh, a little bit different than traditional training camps. You actually have a training camp in the off season, um, and your in season training camp is more of a, more of a team building. So, uh, which really, really interesting rework of that. I, I really like that. Uh, then you got, um, we kind of walked through a little bit of your training camp, you know, you have, a, you have your three days, uh, on, on the second day and then followed by the third day, which is a scrimmage, which is nice. Um, make sure you do a lot of testing in your training camp too. Uh, then we talked about practice, you know, three to four times a week. Uh, we're talking about practice. Plus you have your team lifts, which is twice therapy, uh, perf book. I'll put, make sure I put that in the show notes. Perf book is the software, the app that they use to really get to get the grasp of the entire athlete. Yeah. Um, uh, I really like the, the, the team running the drills for practice. We transitioned to practice first 30 minutes. The teams are doing the drills and they're going through it. Gives them, give them some accountability. Um, I like the leadership council, uh, and, in terms of culture, I mean, when you have all of these things that are happening in your gym, from the experience to the wins to the guys that are in your gym, in your locker room, I mean, uh, it's 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 hard not to breathe that, continue that culture. And you talked about the one bad apple. It always takes that one bad apple to, to ruin it, but uh, you guys don't have that. And um, I love the, it's the best seven players that play together, not necessarily the best seven players. Um, some things that we talked about in terms of what makes your culture a little bit different is, uh, yeah, the WWE wrestling match was kind of cool. Uh, yeah. at the beginning of the game. Um, I like your, you start and end practice with a statement, uh, your currency. That was kind of cool. Everyone I think comes in with a currency. I love that, uh, utilizing social media for recruiting. And then the last thing we talked about was systems, you know, really your personnel, the players on your team are going to determine a lot of how your systems ran. If you don't have the personnel that could run a high level tempo style offense where you're overloading yeah. pipe and you can't run it. Like it's really that simple. So uh, yep. anything I forgot, anything you want to add on to that before we wrap it up here? No, listen, you know, I, listen, I just appreciate you having me on. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of, uh, I know in the OCAA, you know, we get a quite a bit of turnover from coaches and, and so on. And, and it makes it tough to, to have a competitive league. But, you know, I give kudos to guys like yourself who stick it out. And and and, and I know you're doing it for the love of the sport and, and the love of the kids that come through your program and as do I. And and, and I just, uh, I just want to let you guys know that, I appreciate you too. And I appreciate you having me on and uh, hopefully we get a chance to coach against each other for, for years to come. So I really enjoy it. Yeah. I'm going to enjoy when I, when I, when I get that, 
that playoff win over you guys. That's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> eventually when that when that time comes, it's going it's going to be exciting. Uh, you have to yeah. give me a week. You'll have to give me a week or two to recover before I can get back on your podcast though, after that. Yeah, yeah, no, nah, no. Nah. It's all good, man. <laughs> um, okay, the last thing I always ask all my interviewers at the end of it, um, if you could have dinner with one person, dead or alive, who would it be and why? Well, um, you know what? I, I Listen, it's really a toss-up, uh, man, because both of these guys, I, 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 man, I just, I really, uh, you know, I idolize them for different reasons. Uh, one's a player and one's a coach. Uh, hopefully I can pick two and you won't be upset. Uh, Jordan's I've always been a Jordan fan I, I just oh, you know just oh just and I know it's it, it, and for me it's a little bit different it's not just the fact that he was a great player yeah he, I mean he was awesome he's yeah. he's a, he's my goat right he's my number one for sure yeah. but um I think just his I just have never met anybody and I've never met Jordan but I mean I've never met anybody to come close to the competitive fire that I felt uh, Jordan portrayed. I've had, I've had some great players come through my system yeah. and I've, and have, have had an ultimate competitive fire, you know, to Bramwell was, was, was a guy that, that, you know, man, that guy just spit fire every time he got on the court. So, so I've had a few of those guys, but Jordan, I just always felt was uh, the greatest from a player standpoint. And the other side of me, the cerebral side of me, I'd love to sit and have steak dinner with, Bill Belichick. I mean, like, are you kidding me? Like, yeah. like there's a guy, like, I don't think I've ever seen him crack a smile half the time, but he continues to win and continues to produce winners. And, and I just, man, I could just love to sit down and pick his brain on some of the stuff that's going on upstairs. That would be uh that'd be awesome for me. Yeah. So my, my coach is Greg Popovich. He's a guy. Yeah. Pop is, and, and you know, in the interesting thing about pop, man, like he is, he is, he's become a cultural icon as well as a great coach. Yeah. Like, true. you know, and, and I think that, I think that part of what pop does his, his ability to relate to his players makes him such a great coach. You know, yeah. I remember during the whole black lives matter movement, um, you know, he was front and center. Like this was not a guy who, who shied away. He, he was front and center with his players. He's talks about inequality all the time. He, he, t he talks about political issues. Right. Steve Kerr does the same. You know, these right. guys are are great men that uh, that talk about uh, you know a lot of sensitive topics. And um, yeah, they're 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 yeah. Pop would also be a great guy to sit down and have, yeah, have a beer with for sure. <laughs> well, Wayne, listen, thank you so much, man, for coming on. I really appreciate it. To our listeners, um, that you got you guys had a amazing amazing interview here to go back and you probably have to go back and listen to this again take some notes there is a ton i mean i have a whole page of notes myself here and there's a ton of things that you could take away and apply to your gym to help your team become that national championship team and honestly overall just to create an amazing experience for your athletes so that they can become you know, better people, better players, et cetera. Um, the last thing I'll end off with is for listeners, make sure August 6th, August 7th, if you're listening to this episode before that date, uh, the coaches workshop, the two day workshop where you're going to, we're going to talk more about this kind of stuff, how to build and, you know, really create a national championship program, a successful volleyball program. And you're not going to hear from myself, but we have coach John Sprah. We have other professional players that are going to be tuning in. So it's gonna be great. So hopefully I see you guys out there. That's volleyballworkshop.com. And that's it. Wayne, any final words? You know what? I just want to wish everybody an upcoming season of, uh, you know, fantastic times with kids that are working hard in your gym. And I wish you guys all the success. And uh, if anyone's got questions, by all means, my email is open and you can always find me at men's volleyball at humber.ca. So 
reach out. Yeah, we'll link that up in the show notes as well. If anybody wants to reach out. Absolutely. And thank you for offering that. Cause I guarantee you there's coaches that will be interested. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I want to try to teach as many as I can as well. Perfect. All right, man. Thanks. And for my listeners, I will see you guys next week on another episode of the Volleyball by Design podcast. Take care. All right. Cue the music. Look, are you at the stage you want to be in your volleyball journey? How would it feel to get clarity on your training? And instead of taking months to get better, you could improve in weeks, if not days. When I was a young coach and player, I felt this way all the time. The truth is, after I got some great advice on how to be efficient, my learning curve grew exponentially. Let me show you how to be more efficient and effective in this game. I invite you to check out CoachBTraining.com for more resources that you can use to take your game to the next level. I look forward to helping you reach your volleyball goals.